from the art of the deal to keeping it real. Keeping it real. Live from the Simply Vegas studios, it's the Power Move with John Gafford. Back again, back again, back again, back again for another episode of the Power Move, the podcast where you know we try to help things along, try to make it better. Try to help out the community, which is what we're doing today. Success leaves clues. Success leaves clues, all those things. And you may notice the Bulgarian mongoose gained some weight, got a bigger head. No, I'm just kidding. It's not the Bulgarian. The Bulgarian mongoose is living the life out in Hawaii, doing his thing, the hula dance and whatever else with his family. Sitting next to me in 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 the hot seat, we will, is the counselor, Chris Connell. Counselor, how are you? Sore. Sore, yeah, of, we are sore. You. And we're going to talk sore because of, of me. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a second. Joining us with us today in the studio is a, a friend of a friend that, that hits up, had a good cause, and, uh, and we wanted to have him in. His name is Steve Grimace. Did I say that right? Grammis. Grammis. Yeah. Grammis. Steve Grammis. Steve is with the. He went, to, he went to Grimace school. He dressed yeah. up like Grimace. a purple. Yeah, yeah. Grammar a gi- giant purple thing. Yeah. He went to school. <laughs> Not a Grammar. That, 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 was, that was the dig in uh, elementary and middle yeah, school it. and that, you know, hey, Grimace and. You Grimace, know, that's what it was. Yeah, used to it. So I, I hope you, you got, got over you got it because that cuts yeah. to the. What organization do you represent? Uh, so I'm a, I've been with Metro Police for over 24 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, I'm the president of the Las Vegas Police Protective Association, which represents over 3,500 commissioned officers with Metro and the city of Las Vegas. Yeah, and we're going to get into a very cool event today that you guys are throwing and putting on. And, uh, you know, we're going to dig deep into, you know, I want to dig deep into just the psyche, the current psyche of being a policeman anymore. I, I just, I find that, I find every time I see something in the news, I find myself asking myself the question, why would anybody want to do that? So hopefully we're going to dig a little deep in the psyche of that today and we'll get to that. But we got to catch everybody up on several things first off. Happy Mardi Gras. You guys won't be listening to this until tomorrow. Connell and I just got back from Mardi Gras. I took Connell to Mardi Gras for the first time. He got to ride in our parade on our float. And uh, and if you had to pick, because you know, you're sitting in cold seat. So I'm going to go to the top five. If you had to pick the top five things about going to Mardi Gras, what would they be? Big Frida's playing Bigfoot at Tipitina's. <laughs> Big Frida's at Tipitina was solid. If you don't know who Big Frida is, <laughs> she is about a six foot four uh, black transvestite who is the queen of uh, New Orleans bounce music. I was trying to make sure that we got the entire genre of all of new orleans and i happened to see that she was playing at tipitina's uptown and it was a good timing because it was right after a parade that was going to prevent us from getting from uptown back downtown anyway so it worked out it was it was good stuff and, and you loved it so Absolutely. that's number five oh, Big say, oh we're going in order. Go I, in order i would say all these things so um you know being on that float was a pretty interesting experience if you've never done it i don't care what it is just go do it yeah go be on that float because i was telling john rarely in life I don't care what it is you do. You uh, hit a home run in baseball, you whatever, get a touchdown in football, right? Which segues into what you want to talk sure. about. But you do that and it feels great, right? You leave your game and it's 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 30 seconds of pure joy and excitement. Mm-hmm. And then your day goes on. This is three hours where you have, you're like the the Grinch who stole Christmas, but on his way back down the hill and you're just <laughs> yeah, we were turning handed stuff what out. What a great like, way to put it. It is. And you're on like a ramshackle sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> a ram, okay, first of all, we just paid like a hundred grand for that new float. It is not ramshackle. If you thought that was ramshackle, pretty, you should have seen the old it's, ride. It's, it's made of plywood. It's not it uh, get get dose in here and get some Rolls Royce leather on it. <laughs> it but anyway, you get to be Santa Claus for three hours, and it's three hours. At the end of it, 
you're like almost out of serotonin. Yeah, yeah you're done. You're like, Cooked. I don't know if I can continue to be happy anymore. I'm, in fact, I think I need some misery in my life. <laughs> but anyway, those are the two major takeaways. Obviously, some of the restaurants. What's the rest of it? You got the, That's two. You got three more you got to fill. Five. Okay. Um, I really did enjoy getting down to some uh, uh, your mamas. Oh, yeah. Some your you mamas know, you know, jukeboxing we, was can, really cool. Can we mention something you should just never do? Listen. I don't care who you're oh, with. Let's see. Let me ask you a question. Well, well Steve, we're going to get to you. I promise. But I'm going to good, buddy. Right? So me and Chris are like my favorite bar in New Orleans. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm in New Orleans till I'm in this bar with a drink in my hand and I play stranglehold on, on said jukebox. I don't know why. It's just a thing that I do. And anyway, so we're sitting in this dirty bar that I love and they have a kit. They have like the unlimited jukebox. You can kind of play anything. And me and Chris are just going toe for toe with like random genre. Awesome. Great awesomeness. And then in come the, the 20 something year olds from Virginia beach on the bachelor party. And they hijacked the jukebox using cell, using cell phone app. And they're paying over to, to, to skip our songs. That I don't have an issue with. That is capitalism at its finest. If you're willing to spread the money, play what you want. Here's where I have an issue. If you play the same song on a jukebox in a bar within three or four songs of each other, you're an asshole. Yeah. And like you can't do that. And if one of those songs is Barbie Girl by Aqua. Or no, no, no. It was it was Cheeseburger in Paradise. Oh, if yeah. You recall. Oh, it's just, it was. <laughs> and they kept playing. And every time they Shameful. played it, you would think they'd never heard it. They <laughs> just loved They blew up like it was the greatest thing ever. It was terrible. It was shameful behavior. It was shameful. All yeah. right, back to you. So that's that's now, where are we at? Three? That's three. You got two more. Is that three? Two more. Oh, man. Um, you know, there was something a lot of fun about bouncing around, watching the parades, watching yeah. Elvi, watching those guys come around the first night. Yep. By the time you were doing it the second, third night, your back is just barbecued. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, a, it's a lot of carrying. It's a yeah. lot of standing. Yeah. There's First a lot of standing. Times that. And then I think just the general camaraderie. Those are some good dudes. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of fun hanging out with them. And yeah, yeah just a lot of good stories with the group of guys that have been together for a long time together. So it was like that, you know. A connection, yeah, it, you know, experience. It's very difficult to find a group of of fifteen to twenty pals that that have just been pals forever. That that is of all my friend groups. If you're hearing this from Las Vegas or anywhere else, you're listening to this from, and I'm in a friend group where you live. Sorry, that friend group in New Orleans is like my favorite friend group because <laughs> just the level of shit they give each other throughout the entire process is just magical. <laughs> Did, well, you, you have friends. Did would you feel like your friends cared about you if they took it easy on you? No, 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 no. Steve, you know, you're looking you, great today. You're yeah, looking, you're you, looking you're great. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you want? That's that's that's. No, I don't, I, when I get that from my kids, that's what I usually say. Yeah, Dad, yeah. you look nice today. What do you, yeah, want? What do you want? That's it. The hell do I got to yeah, give what's you? What's the compliment? Yeah. That, that, that's how it goes. <laughs> that's how it goes. So that was the New Orleans recap. It was it was it was very it was a great time. It was a great time. And I want to talk about one more thing before we get to Steve. This is my other segue thing today. Something happened on. Uh, something happened. I was, I was watching, I follow somebody here in town named, uh, named, uh, Vegas starfish is her handle. And yeah, she, yeah. she helps up my buddy Noel a lot, gives him a lot of favorable reviews. She just kind of cruises around Vegas and gives mm -hmm. little quick reviews of things that happen here in Vegas. And this is what kind of happened? Huh? Jen. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what happened over the weekend. So she apparently went to some restaurant downtown in, a, in one of the hotels, gave it a favorable review. And then there's another guy who has like 10 million followers on TikTok, and he's a younger guy he's like 24 25 and he does these very just quick food reviews man it's what he does he, he doesn't eat in the restaurants really from what i saw he just kind of grabs the food and then eats it at home and then gives his opinion and he kind of he used he used some of the footage that she had used saying she liked this restaurant and he did he didn't care for it right he said i, I don't like it and and i didn't think it was very good now 
this cat is always really, really, he's very careful always about saying like, this is my opinion. Opinions vary. These are my taste buds. It is what it is. But the dude's got 10 million followers. And so as soon as he didn't like this restaurant, all of these people turned on this restaurant and started going on like Google and smashing, like smashing their reviews online. And like calling and trying to get the hostess fired and just doing all this crazy stuff. And then even attacking Jen, who's Vegas starfish. Like I can't believe you said place was good. Like, and they have no frame of reference. And I started thinking about it. Like, where's the line or where, where's the responsibility? Line? Accountability. Where's the accountability lie? If you're someone that's got, cause literally dude, like someone with 10 million followers on TikTok could put either one of us out of business. For the sake of doing it, are you gonna? Well, you're gonna go after a lawyer and say what? No, no, no. But they can, no, 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 no. But here's the, here's the here's the problem. If they decided to go on Chris Connell on Google and smash, can you, you not plant seeds? John? No, no, no. Don't, don't do. Favor, don't. This is terrible. Don't. This yeah. is terrible. Don't do it. But if they decided to go on and do that, and and you had 400 one star reviews, your business is screwed. You're done. And look to this guy's credit, and I'm not blaming the influencer. I'm not blaming the influencer at all. He went on again and posted another video saying, "Listen, if you're doing this shit, you're you're no fan of mine. I don't condone this. This is not yeah, what this is, this is about. Is the point of this. Don't do this." And it, it, it's like, I think you've got to have accountability as that influencer and understand that you could you could turn somebody's lights out that has worked very hard to build a business, so, and you so, could shut them out. And then, but also. At what point do they have responsibility for the mob mentality that they've monetized through social media? So I don't think the I don't think if you are out there saying it's my opinion and people like you and they turn on people. I mean, I think it's responsible when they say, "Hey, can you not do this? This is somebody's livelihood." I, I this is clearly an opinion. Yeah. But Yelp Yelp is protected as um, freedom of speech. I, I know that very yeah. intimately. I have I've had a case on this that go up to the Supreme Court and I won. It was about it was about. The, the right to have an opinion publicly, right? Now you're allowed to have a public opinion, right? If you do something that's slanderous, you can't say something untrue. You can't not have done something, right? You can have an opinion. Mm-hmm. I think this guy's an asshole. You, you have that absolute opinion, right? And as a police officer, like, that, that comes up a lot, right? Someone can come up to you and say horrible things, and you're like, well, you have a right to have a public opinion, right? Sure. Even if it's in bad taste, even if I think you're a little dick, you have the right to do that legally, right? Um, now people sue people over Yelp reviews. It's happened, mm-hmm. right? And they get what's called slapped. It's a slap, strategic lawsuit against public participation. And what happens is you can be fined liable for their attorney's fees for having to come after you defend that slap suit. So that's why Yelp, all these people that just put their hands off. I'm an IP. I'm a just an internet, I'm an internet We're service independent provider. third party. Yeah, I'm an ISP. I'm you know I'm all these things, uh, and they do have a method of disputing one star reviews. You say these people were never my these people never ate there. These people were never my clients sure. or whatever. So, so that's the kind of the best you can do. You just have to depend on the, the civility of the average person. And I know people mm-hmm. get really histrionic about that. They go, oh, everybody's nuts and crazy. And the world's falling apart. The world is actually very well organized and it's doing a lot better than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Right. It's that we see the margins where people are nuts. But is it, isn't it? kind of double-edged sword that one that one million ten million followers if i go to an establishment that everybody else said is no good and i go and i say actually this is quite good i've driven 
yeah. customers to them. And so he, you he's know, done that. no, he's done that. Yeah, yeah no, he, I mean, it's and, the, and, the responsibility. Though. It's both ways, right? Hey, if yeah. I'm going to go out there and call balls, balls and strike strikes. Mm-hmm. If the place is good, the place is good. If the place is not good, in my opinion, now, like you said, that's yeah. we live in that same world. Police work and, and mm-hmm. me at the union, uh, whether it's a politician or anybody like that. I don't say you hate cops. I say it's my opinion that you don't like cops. You know, and, and Chris, that uh, why? <laughs> So ter- it's so terrible, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but 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 no. But again, all of this landed somewhere with me, and I'll tell you where it landed. I'm officially and because we because a lot of people listen to this podcast, man. We get a lot of downloads, and and I mean, you know, in any given week, the qu- a quarter of a million people are watching these clips running through Instagram and everything else that happens. I know where this is going, and 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 so I'm officially because I never know who's no. going to take it too far and do something. No. I don't like what's I'm happening. Letting it, I'm letting it no, go. I don't like this I'm officially ending the war with Chili's. You know what that sounds like? I've officially given up no, on it, my it, war it's, against it's, Chili's. It's not, it's not that I've given up. <laughs> it's not that I've given up. Here's what it is. It's There was, I, there was the, the, the single mom that's waiting tables at Chili's in Salt Lake City did not make the decision to tell my car. Chili's. One bad human did. So why am I going to try to take food out of her mouth and punish her by continually bashing, even though you deserve it, Chili's? That's, there you go, John. No, that's, no. That's John Listen, I, I'm letting it go. I need, I'm, I'm, letting it, I'm letting it go because I don't want to hurt anybody in the peripheral with my year-long now war with Chili's. I, I don't, I don't want to do it. So I'm, le- I'm letting it go. It's an inside joke. It is. It is a... It is a long war that I've had. It's a, it's a war he's lost. He thought he was going to be yeah. Russia. Yeah. He's hit the wall with Ukraine. I've hit the, wall. Did I've I hit the have, wall. Did I bring the right I've, amount I've, of guns? Right, right. But, he, but, he, but here's, <laughs> but here's the deal. The I'm, right pu- I'm, pu- I'm pulling the troops out as a humanitarian mission. Right. I am not admitting defeat on the battlefield. I'm merely for the sake of humanitarian for everybody else affected by the war with Chili's. I don't want them damaged. Well, pull the troops out slowly. Don't don't yeah. take them all out at so once. I'm pulling them. No, I'm going to create a vacuum. If they, if they, <laughs> what create a power vacuum. Them, all of a sudden, it. Moxies are yeah. you yeah, know, exactly. uh, capital growth. No, if Applebee's moves in and takes the thing over, that's not <laughs> oh. my fault. I'm pulling out. I'm done. All right. Well, enough nonsense. Let's get to what we talked about today. So Steve is with us from uh, the police union, one of them. And, uh, and and we're going to get to with the event that you're throwing and why you're here and what you're trying to promote. But first, man, let's learn a little bit about you. Sure. And then I really, again, the reason I was fascinated about this, A, I love to help out the local causes whenever we can. We're, we're for purpose business here. Uh, we support a lot of local charities. And when I heard this, I was really interested. I'm like, man, that's going to be some good, that's going to be some good talk about police. Uh, because every time I turn on, every time I turn on the news and you see something and look, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, that there's not good police, bad police, whatever else. But the point of the matter is, is literally you, if you're a police, you could make a decision in a split second In a split second, you have to think about something that you could go to prison for, for the rest of your life mm-hmm. out trying to protect and serve. You know, some of the stuff we've seen lately where the hold the guy up while we beat him and then he dies 12 hours later. That's not what I'm talking about. That that's, that's way over the line. That's, that's ridiculous. But the, the quick pull in the, I thought he had a gun and it was a mirror and I shot him and now I go to go like that stuff is, and the more, the, and the more of these out there, the harder that job is. So I want to get to the psyche of today's policemen. I want to get to, or in police women, I want to get to what made you want to be a police. Oh, and, and let's start with you. So let's, let's start. Tell me your back history. Where did you go to school? How'd you grow up? What made you want to be a policeman? 
Sure. So my, my dad was a police officer in New York. I was born in New York. Um, and, uh, during his time in New York, he was uh, the union president in the department he was with. We'd come out to Vegas quite frequently with uh, Whitey Ford and some old sure. Yankee players. Yeah. And, uh, I was and, about Whitey Bulger. I'm like, whoa, yeah. what kind of cop was your dad? Different, wrong, t- different wrong town. Different, wrong different, wrong different state, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so he uh, he told my mom, and uh, he said, listen, I'm tired of the winners out here. I'm going to go be a cop in Vegas. Let's go. So he packed uh, myself, my two brothers, and my sisters, and my wife up, or my uh, mom up. And I was like, how old were yeah, you? Right? What year was that? Uh, 1980. Yeah. So 1980. dad was Metro when, when, when uh, let's just say there was no hedge funds running the casinos. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, my, my dad was a cop out here when, uh, when being a cop out here was serious business. Yeah. Uh, you know, you didn't back talk the police. Uh, you respected the police uh, when they came around. Even gangbangers knew when the police rolled through. We didn't play games with the cops. You yeah, know, we we knew our place, and uh, while crime still occurred, uh, cops enforced it well. Um, and uh, you know, police work has evolved as it should, like everything as it should. You know, I'm sure my father, uh, God rest his soul, has done did things that uh, you would never do today. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, so uh, I grew up out here, uh, played high, played football since I was a kid. Uh, was going to go to college uh, and play football, but uh, chose the police career. I joined the police department in 98, and I've been here for 24-plus years uh, since I joined. I've worked undercover before I went to the union. I worked in narcotics. I was an undercover detective for about a year and a half. I had a great time here in this city in Henderson. I did deals out here all over town and uh, went to the union in 14, took over as president in 16, and that's where I've been ever since. So so you were bred for the job. I mean, it was just you, you were just around it. You saw it the whole time. So from 80 when your dad was there, was the job much different already when you took when you got into the police force and what would you say ninety eight you said sure from when he started oh no yeah in general yeah oh god the, the evolution of police work from the eighties to the late nineties I mean it was uh, so much more policy so much more uh, rules and and laws in place what do you think caused that. Uh, honestly probably some bad police work yeah. you know i mean we, we look at some things where corruption could run rampant um and things like that and like every profession you know bad employees bad people in the profession ruin the profession mm-hmm. for the future um but some of that stuff made us better as we as we recognize the things we were doing wrong and i think uh even my father like i said up until you know he passed away three years ago but uh he'd always say you know i couldn't be a cop in this day and age yeah and it wasn't the work you know crime was still crime robberies were robberies murders were murders uh but uh the oversight the scrutiny and uh you know the attention that's focused on the police officer the modern day police officer now as opposed to back then you didn't have phones you didn't have cameras you didn't have body cam body cam you know these they they were entrusted to do the right thing and sometimes uh they went astray so do you think that like the old uh old statement that's who will watch the watchman right for sure for sure what do you think the first thing i can remember off the top of my head where i was thinking about like like there was bad police stuff would be like the whole serpico thing back in the 70s with all of the cops in New York. Do you think that that bled throughout the country when that happened like that? Because a lot of people went down in that New York police force. You were from there. Um, was your dad, because oh, your dad would have been leaving there about that time in yeah. 1980. Yeah, so. That's he, an interesting take. They, uh, you know, the the things that, like I said, went on back then. Um, now, when it's highlighted and you have a case where they, they find corruption and things like that, yeah, it causes other people to kind of check themselves on what they may be doing and uh, realize that, people are paying attention to this type of stuff, whether it's politicians or informants that are, you know, doing things with cops and then turning on the cops and, 
you know, doing, uh, probably doing the right thing and notify them that, Hey, there's corrupt police officers back in the day. Yeah. How, so, so you, so becoming a cop in 90, in 98, you've done it all as far as you said, how, how much different is the demand now for people that want those jobs versus when you started in 98? So back in the nineties, you had 3000, 3,500 applicants for a single testing cycle. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, you were, you had lines of people at Cashman field or uh, 601 East Fremont used to be our old personnel building wrapped around Fremont street with people wanting the job. Uh, May of 2021, we had, I believe it was 254 applicants for the job. Uh, you know, it's so a tenth, less than a tenth. Oh, of yeah. It was. A, a huge decline, huge decline. Uh, even from 2019, May of that same year, we had, uh, 1600 applicants. It, it just, you know, post George Floyd and all that stuff. And, uh, the rhetoric against cops and politicians jumping on the bandwagon saying the police profession needs to be defunded and all that nonsense, uh, that caused people to second guess it and go, you know, listen, I may want to go out there and do the right thing. Uh, but these folks are looking for reasons to put me in prison when I just make a mistake, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that caused a, de- a sharp decline uh, in our profession for sure. How much is because of that, like because of that, how have the hiring standards changed over the years? I mean, because of, I mean, I would guess almost because that you'd have to have much higher cognitive, like you're probably trying to hire much smarter people. For sure. I had to guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, having a, uh, you know, there's a, a, a push across the country, people having a college degree, yeah. uh, being a more educated workforce, uh, is probably a better workforce in their minds. Um, you know, the 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 knuckle dragger, right. knock the door down, punch in the face guy is old old guard. And what they want now are people that are thinkers that can de-escalate and talk their way through something rather than having to use force. Right. What mm-hmm. do you think of that? So I've heard kind of mixed bag from different police friends of mine. I come from a cop family. Like my uh, uh, grandfather was deputy chief of the city I grew up in. My dad would have become a cop, but he had terrible lies, so he became a, a teacher in jail. So he yeah. taught high school in a young offender nice. center. All my uncles are cops, like all of them. So I didn't really get in trouble when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, but that's in Canada. RCMP? Arresting people uh, no, for, city. Okay. Yeah, you're just arresting people for stealing syrup. How hard is that? You know? Yeah, but when they're big barrels of syrup. And John, I'm sure they're like, oh, difficult. oh, jeepers, you got us. Just throw the cuffs on. He, no he problem, Wisconsin sir. Is like, <laughs> he's going to go to Toronto one day and be like, oh, my God. There's, That's um, not even close. No, no. <laughs> but anyway, so. It's I've my heard, dream. You let me live it however well, I want. I've heard, and I have, I have some uh, police officers who are clients. One of my uh, clients started a, his own body-worn camera system and trains. You probably know him. Um, but. Anyway, I've heard kind of different perspectives on this, that the left as usual, and I have things I vacillate back and forth. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I look at things in a very- Flip-flopper is what we call them in today's politics. When the facts change, my opinion changes. I just need facts. But at the end of the day, um, I've heard a lot of police, they talk about the defund the police thing was the absolute worst way you could have ever structured that. The refund the police or, or allocate in a way where cops are great, except in some circumstances, I don't even think cops want to be there, right? You get some guy who's, you know, do you need the same, because the same solution shouldn't be for every question, right? So cops oftentimes, like, wouldn't, if there was a police, a part of the police force that only did traffic or something or mm-hmm. whatever, some solution where the people that, you know, are going to be doing this one thing aren't going to be the people that will put you in prison, right? Like an administrative tax collection service, whatever it's called, for, or get a photo rate or whatever. I, I know the police union, there's, there's going to be pushback on some of this stuff, which makes sense. But 
if I was a cop, I'd hate to always have to be responding to like some boyfriend yelling at his girlfriend. You know, I know it can escalate. I know it can all these things, but it's like if there was more kind of isolated task forces or some sharper instruments that can be used for different, you know, you got a hammer for when you need a hammer and you got a scalpel when you need a scalpel. Yeah, let me sum up his question real quick. He thinks that there should be a police force to collect taxes and you shouldn't have to go to calls where men are yelling at women. Is that pretty much sum it up? That's what I, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I heard. From. All, so we're taxing folks <laughs> as much as we can. We heard. already are anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. I go to court and I fight it for people and whatever. It's, it's an administrative joke. Yeah. It's an administrative <laughs> joke. And it's, I don't necessarily think that the same people that are, are taking down real issues like you know um one of our friends brothers and swat and yeah. i mean that job is stri way different than the guy giving tickets so if the guy getting giving tickets right wasn't the guy that they thought could pull them up for a warrant and take them away with that you know but i think the limited the limited resources probably you have to kind of layer them over everything now. i don't know i just think that there's probably solutions that maybe we haven't come up yet and i'm wondering if you guys have a perspective so it, it it's interesting you say that and and, and in theory uh if you said hey if uh john q citizen in this white Prius yeah. uh, with some lights on it's pulling cars over uh, that uh, no one's going to take it as a threat and so they're not going to shoot it out with them, right? One of the, the kind yeah, of, yeah, no, yeah, as a yes. Um, so uh, here's here's where that goes awry is when that guy in the Prius does get shot and killed and the guy in the car was wanted for a murder and is pulled over by what he believes is any form of authority uh, and so that's when it goes south. Let's talk about uh, the mentally ill. Right. Right. Uh, same issue. Uh, most of the mentally ill, truly mentally ill people uh, don't have a cognitive um, thought process on what's going on around them. Someone has to be there to make that scene safe. And so what when all this defund the police and in in some weird way, I understood what some people were saying. Right. What they were saying is, is to what you said, is there a different way to police? Uh, there is a different way to police. And it's over investing in what we do it's not taking you two officers off the street it's saying let me put steve with you two officers and when you make the scene safe and we have that person that now needs the help they need steve can step in and and that's where i think you can have you're right cops don't like dealing with a, a mentally ill homeless man they wish they could help them we don't have the resources I mean, for yeah, it that's a different you know issue. I, it's we're still humans at the end of the day and we'd love to help everyone we come across um but it's got to be in a safe manner. And, and when people, you know, some legislators have talked about, you know, if we have a domestic violence, send in the peer counselor until the peer counselor yeah, gets stabbed in the throat. Sure, yeah. sure. You know, and so, you know, having extra help, none of us are against at all. Right. Uh, it, but that's the conversation is, is how do we add to the scene to make the scene safe for that person to come in and offer the services that are necessary? Right. And, and that's what we support. That type of stuff we, we do yeah. support. I'm an ROI guy. I got, yeah, for sure. I'm, yeah. An, I'm an economist, so everybody always has opinions on stuff. I say, whatever those are, I'm an ROI guy. Do cops want to be pulling people over for small amounts of personal drugs? I mean, yes. it's one of those things. There, there's things where I I tend to think a lot of these things are health problems, uh -huh. personally. I think those are mental health problems a lot, and I think that needs funding as well. So I'm not sure. against funding all these things. I don't want to be spending money on stuff that's wasted. I sure. want things to go into that, right? I want there to be facilities that people can go if they have treatment drug issues. I don't I don't need, you know, a single officer going into a place and putting their own life. You know, I'm okay with, you know, investing in our community, right? With realistic, you know, options. And I'm just wondering if there's a better way to do it. Well, I think I think part of it for me anyway as I look at it is the problem is 
the people's perception of what they can now get away with in dealing with the police. I mean, I could give you two great examples of that. Number one, we were just in New Orleans. It it's a shit show. I mean, it, it feels genuinely unsafe and like all the carjackings and all the crazy stuff that's happening. And it's like 13, 14 year old kids doing armed mm-hmm. arm robbery, shooting each other. I mean, it's it's bad and it's really bad to the point where the mayor is about to get recalled. Hopefully that'll happen. Um, My Uber the mayor driver there. said, don't even call the police. Yeah, yeah. said don't even bother. And then but also you look at what happened in Austin this weekend. I don't know if you saw that. Where they were doing street racing or something, and the yep. cops pulled up on it, and like a mob came at the cop, and the cop was like, "Nope, I'm out." Yeah, I'm out. So, I mean, at what point, and what do you think drove the mentality that all of a sudden that is okay? Politicians telling them that it's okay, uh, and it's funny, you know, you bring up, uh, you know, yelling at people, right? Yeah. Police officers are getting yelled at every day, cursed at in the face, called names that you would not call some people that you absolutely hate, uh, and and they're told there's not much you can do about it. You just mm. got to take it. Uh, but look at a basketball game. If someone calls LeBron James a bad name from the sideline, they throw him out of the arena. Oh, they yeah. revoke their tickets forever. They can never come back to the state. Well, isn't it free speech? I mean, you know, if the cops can deal with it, which we shouldn't, and I don't think LeBron should deal with it either, there should be some standard set, you know, but the folks say, hey, uh, look at Maxine Waters when all this crazy stuff was going on. Hey, if there's a Trump supporter out there, get in their face. Oh, yeah. A- approach them. Make them uncomfortable. Well, if, if people said that about other folks in the other side of the aisle, you know, yeah. you'd be saying, oh, well, they're, you know, they're attacking them. How dare they? They're anti that. And so when you look at the the police and I go back to like back when my father was a police officer, you know, and a police officer stopped a, a hardcore gangbanger, uh, they showed them respect. They showed the police officers very seldom. And if they didn't, the OGs of the group would grab them. Why? Because they didn't want the pressure in there on their groups yeah. that they would put now. You see an officer stopping someone or using force on somebody and very minimal to handcuff them or whatever, 15 phones right in their face. They feel that they can get as close as they want. Oh, yeah. There's no real law talking about distance in our state about how close you can be. It's just, uh, you know, Personal your perspective. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a open-ended, you know, hey, what is sure. it to you, you know? Uh, and so it's. It, I think that is where we got to get back to is talking to, uh, truthfully, is talking to our kids and talking to our young adults and saying, listen, there's folks that are out there that you need to respect. Now, if they don't show you respect, and this is a, a campaign that we've tried to talk to people about, it's comply then complain. You don't like what the cops are yeah. doing. You think they stopped you illegally. You think they did this. The time to solve that is not sitting in the driver's seat of the car or in front of the police car. It's later. Hey, I'll comply. Do what you need to do, officer. I don't agree with what you're doing. I think this is garbage, but I'm going to comply with you. Well, it's it's like you look at what happens, and it's like the shooting that just happened not too long ago. That was terrible. I mean, granted, it's terrible. But it all, it all starts with, the story starts with subject ran, subject fled, subject did what, like, just just deal with the just sit there and deal with it and then be courteous be kind and it's not always going to go i mean obviously there's been situations where it doesn't always go the way that it should that way but i think you got a much better chance of 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 dealing with the situation in a positive out with outcome if you just comply a little bit whether you agree or not though the perspective in the voice is that you can say that because you've never had any experiences you didn't grow up being profiled or whatever i was talking to my friend the other day and it was a totally random thing. We were literally working out beside Colin Kaepernick. He was in our gym. And he, he was saying something. He was like, yeah, well, he's a, he's a super nice guy. I've never really heard him talk about anything racial, but he's an African-American guy. And he said, he goes, he goes, I've been pulled over. I've counted 70 times 
He goes, and it was this issue, that issue, this this issue, that issue. And he goes, I sold this car to my girlfriend. She's been pulled over three times, like in, in four years or something. And I had it for a couple of years, pulled over 70 times. He's like, because the area I was in or whatever. And he was going, that's what that guy was talking about. It was, a, it was an off the conversation. I was just like, you know, I understand people feel sometimes they're not heard. So I think what this comes down to is having that conversation with people without having a you're a fucking leftist retard. You're a Trump ass, you know, whatever it is. If we're going to continue to do that, there's no hope for anyone. That is not the way. So what it is is conversations. I think that's probably the first step in good policing, right? No doubt about it. And, and you, when you talk about the evolution of police work, uh, you know, the community oriented policing model is one of the biggest thing that have shaped police work in, in current society, you know, realizing that it is a partnership, yeah. you know, take the worst neighborhood here in, in Vegas, there's still good people that live in that neighborhood sure. that have been a fabric of that community for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't like that criminal element in there as much as the police, as much as everybody else doesn't. And so you talk to those people. You don't walk in and say, I'm going to generalize that this entire area is all right. shit. That's right. Yeah. You walk in and realize, just like police officers, the group as the whole is just fine. It's fine. I got to find the ones that are making this area bad because guaranteed those folks don't want you in here either. It's like the the Taliban isn't welcome in a lot of parts of Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, like there, sure, there's sure. things where it's, I don't want this. Yeah. Most people across the board, right, want the same few things. They want to have some kids. They want some security. They want a, some money. They want to eat. Right on a Mardi Gras float. Right yeah. on a Mardi I mean, Gras Three float. hours no, it's of, just, you know, Grinch. of joy. No, yeah. You know, you know where the Taliban would probably be welcome? Chilies. I've reverted back to it. But to that point, I, I, I completely agree with you. You know, there's, there's this thing in TikTok social media culture where that one thing means we, we exaggerate the whole, we, we average to the, we average to the exception. And when you think about policing on a day-to-day amount of interactions that go off in the United States of America with 330 million people or whatever, mm-hmm. there are a lot of arrests. There are a lot of police interactions and 99.999% of them go off without a hitch. For sure. Without a hitch. So well, it I, doesn't get any clicks. If you post the guy taking the ticket and sign it and driving off, <laughs> that doesn't get any likes but, or but, clicks, but, but that is, we can't be hyperbolic about all this stuff. We have to actually talk about in an honest way, what the things we want to improve on are. We can't sure. just say wipe it clean. That's why I'm not saying mm-hmm. that I, I have a perspective. I don't know. I, ha- I haven't studied policing or justice. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. The things I think about, you know, have that perspective. And I think you get some lawyers to talk to some, you know, district attorneys and you get police officers involved, you get people from community. And when you have a dialogue going, most people are willing to listen as long as it's not an obnoxious conversation that's full of, you know, ad hominem vitriol where I'm, I'm spitting horrible things. This is what you do. You've sure. done this. It's talking with, not at, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's it. And, you know, you look at our sheriff, Joe Lombardo, and, and now Kevin. You know, I think one of the reasons you don't see some of the crazy things that you see across the country is how invested they are in the different communities with their multicultural councils. And they're talking to these folks that are in the fabric of those communities saying, hey, these well, let's have these back and forth, like you said, conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not me talking at you, right. telling you how you got to treat the police and we're perfect and you do not. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a mutual thing and understanding. Yeah, I got to tell you, I feel pretty, I, I feel pretty lucky here. I feel, per, I feel Las Vegas as a whole is pretty safe. I feel like it's a safe place. I don't, I don't feel like, I mean, if you go to like, I mean, you can feel now Seattle doesn't feel safe to me. You can feel some of these areas where defund was huge and it doesn't feel like they're like, for example, 
Did you feel safe in the French Quarter at all on that Friday? I mean, that- you know, I'm nuts, John. I've been to Africa three times. No, 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 Fourth, no, no, like, no, no. I don't no, no, feel no, no. unsafe. When, when we got trapped, when you guys want to walk down Bourbon at ten o'clock on Saturday, stupid me for letting it happen. I looked. I could see the fear in your wife's eyes. Well, my wife, she was terrified. W- I had her walking down in in this the the souks of Marrakesh and side streets. Now. I'm six foot three, two hundred and seventy pounds. Whatever. It's, yeah. I'm not necessarily. I don't have a but perspective but of being no, worried. No, but no, but here's the difference: if she gets harmed in New Orleans, if something happens in New Orleans, she's going to get hurt. If something happens in Marrakesh, you're going to get what, like 50, 60 camels out of her. We already talked about this. She's got blonde hair. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get an insurance. Yeah, policy. dude. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to mess with you, and you're probably going to get something out of it from you know. Don't you have you listeners in like Morocco, John? I, I think we off? actually we're huge in Morocco. Huge in Morocco. Morocco, so no, but the, but I'm talking about the not that the good people of Morocco, no. like he said, the bad people. Yeah, Morocco. but Las Vegas still has this kind of. There's a lot of ment- There's a lot of um, transient people here, so I, I've never felt unsafe. But I don't feel like there's necessarily that much of a community either that's building up towards everybody taking ownership. And like I said, to, to your point, I'll never. Li- I don't care how how much I agree with you. If you tell me that I, you need to do this, if somebody points their finger at me and tells me what I need to do. I shut off, even sure. if they're right. Mm. So do you have a lot of those things kind of going on right now? Roundtables? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, between all the area commands with their leadership and their officers and realizing it's better to get buy-in than it is to order folks around, um, you know, listen, in police work, there's still a time for, I got to make you do something. Um, but most of the time from, you know, represent our officers in use of force cases and things like that. Uh, it, it's very last resort. We're, we're not as um, triggered to want to go after somebody at a drop of a hat. You know, my father's back in the day. And even when I started, it was ask, tell, make. <laughs> that was it. Mm-hmm. Now it's come on, you know, but again, there comes a point where, sir, just give me your driver's license. And then that's going to end. And that's where, you know, people kind of think that, you know, I'm not really going to let you sit in a car for 10 minutes while we debate over whether I can get your insurance yeah. or registration. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm pulling you out. Uh, you know, I tell cops this all the time. Never make threats that you can't follow through on. You know, uh, as a lawyer, yeah. how many times have you at least heard the story? A cop came to our house for a domestic. All we were doing was arguing. They said, if I come back, someone's going to jail. I tell these kids, well, for what? Yeah. They can argue all they want. They don't put hands on each other. There's no yeah. arrest for verbal domestic violence. Yeah. Stop saying that stuff. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. try and figure out why I keep coming back. Yep. You know, maybe you two aren't good together. Maybe yeah. someone should leave for the night. You know, but yeah. uh, th- those are things that th- there's still a point where the officers have to do their job and they have to, um, they can't allow that type of contempt to continue. Uh, but by and large, these kids nowadays, and I say kids because I remember there was Everyone's a, time, a kid. That Trust me, I'm with you. Everybody's, oh Everybody's a kid. Everybody's a kid. <laughs> I love it when I say to my girls, I'm like, you know, I don't feel old. You know, you, you and I, we talked, you know, you do jiu-jitsu, I do jiu-jitsu. And so I feel like I'm engaged. We almost in, made it one whole episode. No, <laughs> no, no. We're about to go deep on <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, no, no, no. Because no. I actually yeah. have a oh, very God. serious question listen, about that listen, with you. Listen, uh, training in, in police jiu-jitsu, I, I was uh, Chad Line. We talked about Chad. Chad and I went back in, uh, to Jacksonville last summer and taught uh, in Jacksonville some police jiu-jitsu stuff. And it, that's the that's sweeping the nation and it should oh. because it's reducing officer injury it's reducing person citizen injury it's reducing use of force encounters because Absolutely. you're ending things a lot quicker you're not causing distance and allowing things to happen you're getting close and you're locking people up and you're doing it without hurting them but you as an officer let's say you're out on the street how how could you ever be like, I'm going to get into a, an interaction with people. I do the thing, and I still get nervous before a, a match. Sure. I do it. 
Like I know what I'm doing, right? Yeah. To, I mean, not well. To but the, better than the person, yeah, for to, sure. To, to 95 percent yep. of dudes out there, I'm I'm more than capable of of doing what I need to do, right? Mm -hmm. But that's that's me, and I'm I'm a blue belt. I'm like yeah. a 10 year blue belt because I'm a bit of a sandbagger, but it's a different story. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's a long story. But anyway, um, so we 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 go do that. If I was a cop, I would be like, I'm not taking the job till I'm a purple belt. Yeah. So in, in Jacksonville, it's really cool. Their, their program is when you graduate the academy, you will have done enough jiu-jitsu that you will be a blue belt when you graduate. Uh, bare and minimum, it, right? It, it was, it was, it's a great program that, you know, we, we keep trying to talk to many people about instituting. Mesa, Arizona is is locked in with Chad Lyman's uh, C4C, PJJ. Uh, he has a lot of affiliates. He's a stud, by the way. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Chad Lyman. 53 years old. Right now, he's got no cartilage in his knee, and him and I were rolling last week and just kicks the shit out of me. And you know, <laughs> But but it's funny, you know, and I, my nephew, my nephew's a young police officer. He's a, a good-shaped kid, 6'2", 180, 185 lifts all the time all that stuff and here's old fat uncle steve and we brought him up to the to the office one day and we train and a minute in he's dead he, he's gasping for air and it's just all body weight need a belly just putting some pressure on the kid to let him know hey this isn't going to go how good you old think uncle steve can still squash you yeah uh, good old uncle steve's going to fold you and close you still in. and i and i tell that story i told you know him and i talk and i tell it to cops nowadays i go that should scare the hell out of you if a guy like me can outpace you easily your your whole thought process of oh i just see red when i get mad <laughs> the world better look out yeah. i'll kill everyone you ain't gonna do nothing no, 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 you're not you think up. you're gonna do yeah, something you don't know how to and fight. none of it works it, it's, you're it's, right it's like rogan said because when he was a kickboxer, he's like i was a kickboxer i was fighting at a state level yep. olympic level taekwondo i go to my first jujitsu class and i was a helpless baby no it's doubt like, about I was it i like i didn't i didn't you could do whatever you wanted to me, and I was totally helpless. I yeah. thought I was this great fighter, and For I sure. was fighting at a high level. The guy, guy who works with uh, Chad and I, uh, uh, Bob Glowinski, uh, from Wisconsin, trained with Duke Rufus. Uh, very good Muay Thai, yep. very good yep. stand-up. Uh, same issue, though. He's like, man, I started jiu-jitsu, and, uh, and I just realized what I didn't know. Yeah. And it, if it could stand the whole time, that's great. Sure. But we know most encounters end up getting into a clinch or going to the ground. But, but As an officer, too, I would think that's – that's true. You're not going to stand and square up with a guy either. No, I sit there and box with yeah. a guy. Listen, the optics of that don't look good, right? As normal citizens, <laughs> you do you want to see match with a cop? No. an officer in a in a Muay Thai stance and throwing no. head kicks and let yeah. no. That's I not mean, what unless you want. it's a fireman, but we'll get to that later. Well, unless it's a fireman, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a fireman. they're usually holding short for us, waiting for us to clear the scene. <laughs> hey, and there you go. Usually waiting at the bank to cash their checks from. So, <laughs> so, so triple overtime. So friend friend of the friend of the show is Tim Larkin. Uh, Sasha Larkin uh -huh. is is his wife. Um, you know, Tim when violence is the answer, a lot of hand-to-hand -hand technique is, is, is the stuff that he teaches. Is that valuable or is that something, or you guys just, you're looking at your grimacing me now. I'm dying to hear what you say about any, any training is any training, any training. Um, training. but I, I believe, you know, when we talk about hand-to-hand uh, -hand encounters and stuff like that in our profession, uh, it, it's not optimal. Uh, it, it's not our, our end goal. If, if we're in a, physical encounter our end goal we got to get you in handcuffs just to do you it isn't to knock you out it isn't to do there's a lot of things we can't do right. that we could do in the street if we weren't cops sure and so that whole mantra of yeah you know learn this strike this throat punch and this pressure point uh, no i mean we useful we've got to it, it could be but it's for, what, yeah. for special forces for, not for yeah not for, right not for, police. For, for us to facilitate the mission that we have it's got to be, I got to just control you. And, and if I can control another human, uh, 
all the better. He's not hurt. I'm not hurt. There's a good chance he's going to feel that submission that, okay, I'm, I, I'm done. I, I'm locked up. Yeah. Let me just go ahead and comply. And then what do we have? We have no use of force report, yeah. no medical person rolling to the scene Textbook. person goes to jail and that's it. And, and that's it. Did and, you see that shoplifting at the, at the, it was like a Walmart. How long ago? This is a fairly recent video I saw. I don't know how old it could be. I Here? Think, no, it, it's, a, it's, oh, okay. it's kind of viral. This officer was taking down this this person smashed in a window inside a Walmart, and the cop was there. I guess they were doing something crazy out of the scene. And the officer engages in like some pretty sweet jujitsu. Gets in a triangle, takes an arm, and this person's resisting and kicking and spitting and freaking out. And it was pretty slick. Yeah. And I was going, that guy, that guy is the the base level of training I would want to have. And it was smooth, and he sure. did it with his whole gear on. I go, that guy's probably a real killer. That, that's a, we had a, we had an incident here. I want to say it was a year and a half ago, two years ago. We had an officer in uniform, full uniform fight with a guy, and same thing. Working, he ends up getting top position. He gets him out. He spaces out. He just kind of tires yeah. the guy out. Guy moving around, thinking he's going to buck him off. He doesn't, and he rides him out. And in the end, the guy was gassed and took him into custody and, you know and, and and i think that's what uh jujitsu really will start teaching people listen you're not going to throw people into a, you know a kimura no. in the middle of the street while i'm trying to arrest them mm. but i can i can close the distance and i can get a solid body lock yeah. and i can get a takedown and i can get in a good dominant position right. and i can hold that position and wait for backup so right. we can get you into custody safely or I can get you to give up, and I can get you into custody safely. Yeah, there you go. Well, let's ask you a different question. I'm sorry, Chris. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on from this. Thank you for joining us for Jujitsu Weekly with your host, Chris Cuddle. No, I'm, I'm having a blast. I know you. I know you are. I know you are. But unfortunately, a large percentage of our real listener base doesn't listen, doesn't practice Jujitsu. So, um, I have a question, and it's this. And it may be a varied along political lines, whatever it is. But what is the opinion? What is the general opinion of police when it comes to guns right now? As far as what? As far as just guns in the street, legal guns, carry guns. You know, you, you see that's that's such a hot button within within our, our politics, the long guns, uh, trying to make those illegal. What is the general opinion of the guys that really have to face them down more than anybody else on those, on those assault weapons or everything else? They are supportive of law-abiding uh, gun carrying folks. Okay. Um, you know, when, when there was uh when Steve Sisolak was trying to make maybe a push on, uh, mag capacity and, and some certain firearms here in the state, uh, my cops were blowing me up. Steve, what are we doing about this? What are we doing about this? Because, uh, the problem is not the lawful sane minded gun owner. Sure. Uh, it is the criminal element. It is the mentally incapacitated element um, that those are the problems. And so, you know, look at Chicago. There's laws out the yin yang on the books in Chicago to be a gun free zone. And we have people getting murdered daily Every with weapons. Day. It's not a make it guilt, make it illegal. Let's start enforcing what we have. You're a bad guy with a gun. Let's make sure you you go to prison. You're not sitting there on the streets to victimize other people. Uh, the issue, though, for our folks, uh, you know, here is an open carry state. Uh, we come across weapons all the time, and it took training for our guys to understand, like, okay, it doesn't always mean because you have a gun on your hip that you're a bad you're person. A bad guy. Now, I have to be vigilant. I have to know it's there, and I have to tell you, sir, I know you have a firearm Please on you. Please keep your hand away from yeah, it. Keep your hands up on the steering wheel. Keep them, You got it, you know? Um but to what you, we talked about, the split second decision now, when all of a sudden you're very clear on those instructions and that person starts to move their hand, yeah. now things change. You could be the best 
gun-owning, law-abiding citizen, but making actions like that cause a normal person. That's what people forget. Cops aren't robots. Normal people. They're, norm they're normal. They have human error. They have human feelings. They see things. The in the half a second you moved your hand from the steering wheel to the center console, yeah. they're thinking of their wife, their husband, their kids. Sure. Am I going to make it through the night? All that flashes right then and there. And, and so trying to tell people, you know, you got to be perfect in every scenario. It's not going to happen. I was just getting my hero sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, you, do, do you think that, do you think the job will ever become desirable again? Or do you think that it's going to continue to decline? It'll, police works a calling at the end of the day. Uh, what I'd oh, like good answer. What I'd like to see more of in this city is, and I know this for a fact, that you look at uh, New York, look at Boston, look at places where families stay, right? Mm -hmm. Police families. My grandfather was on a job. My father was on we what happens here most of the time is and it's shocking because we have such great tax structure here that we don't have state tax and all that a lot of our cops leave this state when they retire instead of raising their family and maybe their young sons and daughters to take up the mantle as that family unit of police as yeah. it so now we're just hoping that we can recruit outsiders to come in it's a lot of professions well, i think here yeah well, I think well, people sure. leave and i don't get it well, I, think I, well I think awesome. I, I think as we become i think as we add sports as we become more of a metropolitan city that you can really lay down roots and it's it's becoming less and less about the uh, the gaming industry here mm -hmm. I, I think you'll start to hopefully see some of that they got to do. There's got to be a real big highlight on the suburbs of Vegas. I mean, we're all probably in the same boat. Out of town friends that really don't know where you live. Oh man, it must be great living close to the strip. I'm the one Listen, guy that actually kind of lives near the strip, totally randomly. See, I'm I'm by Mount Charleston. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, listen, this is these are just homes. These yeah. are just people. Yeah. There's no hustle and bustle of the strip and worrying about people with handbills, hands out, and all. You know, well, I know a couple of years ago, I think Henderson was ranked one of the safest cities sure. in America to live in. Is it still that? It's still that way? It, it's up there. Henderson's a good spot. Good old Hendo. When, yeah. I, when I moved here, the city of Henderson had had two murders. <laughs> yeah. yeah i was like I, i'm where i'm from in canada we were the murder capital of yeah. canada and conveniently he says no, he moved here just before it happened Con yeah, or yeah. just after it happened I, I moved here to get away from the crime <laughs> of Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> but i'm um, telling you they get all hopped up on those tim hortons and like, bad I, things happen I, this guy tim i gotta Hortons. cut him off because he's gonna keep talking about maple syrup <laughs> <laughs> so um what's this police uh football yes about? since he was talking about sports i would that's a, good the, that's a good segue yeah. so so uh, uh we uh a little backstory on on what the the game is so in 1974 to 1983 they played this game they played it at sam boyd uh police versus fire was actually a very big game commissioner kirkpatrick from the county commission uh remembered every game and so when it started their goal was that uh the hospital was not UMC, was not the county hospital, had a different name. And uh, a fireman's daughter was on dialysis. And the only place you could get dialysis was in Utah. So they played this game to raise enough money to buy a dialysis machine for the local hospital. Oh, wow. Uh, through charitable contributions, they ended up buying three. So every year they were finding a new charity to play for. Uh, we found out that eventually more hands started coming out from people that were giving free stuff. Hey, we'll cover the cost of your program. We'll do your uniforms. Now it was, hey, we heard you're making money. Actually, we're going to charge you for this, and we're going to charge you for that. So come 1983, they were almost making nothing for the event, and so they just stopped. Uh, last year, I'm at my office, and my assistant knows uh, that uh, 
I have some crazy ass ideas. I'm like the guy with the little <laughs> bubbles that just go off with a thought. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, that's and a solid sound. That, that was right good. There. That was that, that was very good. <laughs> you're, like, <laughs> you're like Fred now, We're like Michael Winslow oh, from uh, Police yeah, Academy. Yeah, exactly. Beep, boop, 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 boop. When we do our next podcast for the PPA, I'm going to try and institute. Just it. have you just there to be yeah. one thing. Um, so I. <laughs> We we were looking. Is there a leak? <laughs> no. uh, so uh, so we have a charity, uh, and our charity is is very specific. It's the Law Enforcement Assistance Fund. Uh, if an officer's killed in the line of duty, we pay for their children and their surviving spouses' college, room, board, food, tuition, the whole nine oh, yards. Wow. Uh, in state, if they go out of state, we pay the equivalent to in state. We also buy them presents at Christmas, uh, birthdays weddings, graduation from high school, graduation from college. That is the focus of that charity. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate because as an officer passes, um, in the line of duty, and this is, I try not to be a slight of our Metro police, uh, department, but they kind of lose contact, you know, Hey, it's now it's an out of sight, out of mind, sure. you know, we honor you once a year, but that's about it. So we're looking at new ideas for our charity. So last year at the end of February, uh, I'm looking at a poster and it's the old football game. And my assistant was off that day. And so she came into work the next day and I said, Hey, uh, I know you got 50 million events that we got going. Uh, you're about to throw a football game. And she goes, what the hell do you mean? I said, we're throwing a football game and we're going to raise all the funds and we're going to give it to some charities. Uh, so we put the charities together. It was ours. It was the uh, professional firefighters in Nevada. They're building the memorial wall up in Carson for them. They don't have one. Uh, we played for the Children's Heart Foundation. And uh, after all of our fundraising efforts and all that, we were able to give uh, Bonanza High School, my alma mater, a uh, $10,000 check for their football program, wow. as well as about $10,000 worth of gym equipment from Dick Sporting Goods. Oh, that's great. Uh, is it, Dick's a part of it? Is there a th so so they, they worked with us on that arm from last year with the donation for the school or for the kid, the football program. Uh, hopeful that they get involved this year. Uh, our main sponsors were uh, Station Casinos, UFC, VGK. Um, we those were the the bigger groups last year that just said, "Listen, in a moment's notice, we'll get on board and we'll help you." What out. about the Raiders? Uh, it was tough last year. You know, it was such a small window of time. We played the game May seventh. We really got things amped up like around April, mm -hmm. and so they they sent some cheerleaders out and did what they could. Uh, but. This year, uh, there's a, a lot bigger involvement from a lot of different people in the community. Hey, um, this isn't just like a flag football two-hand no. touch, is it? No. So if, tell me about it because I was watching a clip of it. If, if you go to LVPPA football on YouTube, you'll pull up a clip. Um, you know, when, when I put this game out, I didn't know if we even had a real team. The firemen are it's always, like longest yard, but yeah, no, you know? it, no, no, it's longest it, yard. It, it's uh, <laughs> the firemen are always in good shape. We always think they're athletic. They beat our ass in baseball, hockey. That that just always happens. So I was afraid I bit off more than I could chew. Uh, I sent out an email to my membership, and I got about seventy responses. College game film. I had a linebacker from the Ravens, a left tackle from the Jets. Yeah. My quarterback, Sean Riley, played and joined the force yeah. for a one-day contract. Yeah. Close, very close. <laughs> uh, Sean Riley was a quarterback at UNLV, six-four, uh, can read, throw a defense. I mean, it was. So we put this crew together, and I'm like, holy shit, you got a, a crew, got a real team. It's like a borderline semi-pro football team, <laughs> and. Uh, the firemen did not have a borderline semi-pro football team and uh but call of duty i hear they're pretty good yeah yeah you know making chili and and all the yeah. good stuff like that i mean listen the ca calendars they beat us all day uh but uh you know you, chris has got three of them yeah. in his office you don't want face cut out every single month you don't want to you don't want a calendar with this on it you know you want the firemen you know 
Uh, but it was uh, it, it was a great time. We put about 3,000 people in Bonanza High School Stadium. They were coming in at halftime, pouring in there for the game to come watch nice. and support it. Well, I think you could fill up Allegiant if, you, if it was promoted. You know, we uh, Allegiant was on the table for this year. And, uh, you know, conversations with uh, Sandra uh, Morgan with the Raiders, they were on board, but we, we needed some hard commitments mm -hmm. uh, timing-wise. And... Uh, it just I, I put them on the spot far too late to use Allegiant. Mm -hmm. um, so we're pivoting, and uh, through Lorenzo Fertitta and Dana White, we're going to end up playing the game at Bishop Gorman. Uh, oh, it's gonna, just a slightly smaller yeah, version yeah, of Allegiant. Yeah. Just a bit. <laughs> just a bit. It is. Yeah, so we're, we're really excited to have the, the folks on board that we do um, helping us this year. It's going to be a big, big event. Love that. Uh, somebody wants to get involved with that. They want to buy tickets. They want to come. How do they do that? Uh, they can contact us at the LVPPA. Uh, they can call up there. Uh, they can go to our website. What's the website? Uh, LVPPA.com. LVPPA.com. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be doing a lot of PR in the community with uh, different forums. They'll see things. We've got the PPA owns 15 electronic billboards for ads and that. So we'll be putting stuff out there. Um, as it moves forward. But uh, if someone wants to become a sponsor for the game, just feel free to uh, reach out to us and we can tell you how to get on board. Love that. Love that. Awesome. Well, Steve, man, thanks so much for coming by. It was a fascinating conversation. Um, and yeah, dude. He's got warrants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay if you if you ask if you ask any of the guys that work with me, uh, they'll tell you I don't carry a gun. I don't carry. <laughs> See, there you go. See, he's one of the cops you were talking about. So Usually, Chad Lyman's around me. That's he good. does all that. Yeah, for me, yeah. Right? So I don't worry yeah. about it. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, counselor, if they want to find you for some odd reason, how would they find you? Connellaw.com. Seven zero two Connell. <laughs> Connellaw.com. And of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe. If whatever podcast service you're listening to, make sure you give us four stars. And if you're listening to someplace you can comment, comment on what you'd like to hear more about, jujitsu or syrup. I mean, let's just settle this once and for all. Or uh, jujitsu with syrup. I mean, that. <laughs> hey, that's, look, you yeah, do I have I saw, ideas. I I saw, yeah, I think I saw that at a strip club in Windsor once. <laughs> and with that, uh, we'll wrap it up. It, it, See you next bowl. time, everybody. <laughs>